0: From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. Massive protests erupted in Cuba last weekend. Thousands took to the streets. Cuba has had protests before, but this time it's different.
1: stunning news. You thought it would have happened maybe 40 years ago, maybe 50, but it's happening now. And there's unrest in the streets of Cuba. And it came out because, okay, we know the coronavirus is an issue. Uh, We know uh, we know that uh, economically it put the whole world on its back. But people of Cuba want their freedom. And they finally feel bold enough to protest in the streets in this in front of this brutal regime.
0: Reports claim that more than 100 people have been arrested or are missing, and at least one person has died. But it's actually hard to really know what's going on, just 90 miles from our shore, when Cuban authorities have blocked most social media sites to stop the flow of information. Today, on Heritage Explains, Jarrett Stepman, a contributor to The Daily Signal, will break down why Cubans have had enough why protesters are waving American flags, and what Americans can learn from these protests. Our conversation after this short break.
1: Never has it been more important for us to fight for America. Each day, we see the penalties of progressive policies across our nation. Our elections are under assault. Our economic freedom is on the decline and our culture is turning its back on the founding principles that have made us the freest, most prosperous nation in history. That's why the Heritage Foundation developed a plan to take on the left and take back our country. The Citizen's Guide to Fight for America provides a series of heritage recommended action items delivered on a regular basis to your inbox. Make an impact in your community and in our country. Sign up for The Citizen's Guide at heritage.org slash citizensguide and join in the fight for America today.
0: Hey, Jarrett, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, so in our introduction, we just heard a little bit about what's going on in Cuba. Can you tell us why Cubans are protesting right now?
2: yeah absolutely cubans are protesting right now because of over a half century of misrule and tyranny i mean that's that's the bottom line with what we're seeing in the last few days it's not just a crisis of what's happened over the last year a lot of the economic uh and medical crisis that the country has been hit by but a long-standing uh failure of a regime to meet the basic needs of its people uh and to stomp on essentially any dissent Uh, from what that regime has represented since that time. I think it's an incredible outpouring uh, of genuine uh, uh, feelings for liberty and feelings that that people have hit the end of the rope. They've hit the end of the line uh, because of all the depredations that they've suffered under the rule of the Castros for, again, since 1959.
0: Yeah, Americans have been hearing about this for a long time. Have there been protests like this in the past?
2: There have been protests within Cuba in the past, but I think the scale that we're seeing this time, I think the word unprecedented really does fit the situation. This were spontaneous protests that broke out across the country. Uh, Of course, the government immediately went in to shut down the internet, to try to shut them down, to to stamp them out. I, I would say it's an incredible act of bravery on the part of those who are out in the streets who have gone out because this is a regime that has shown no reluctance to use violence to stomp on anybody who protests and has any narrative that uh, goes against the regime. And Cubans, uh, the Cuban government has been known not only to suppress dissent in their own country, but have exported uh, paramilitaries and essentially what they call revolutionaries to other uh, socialist-leaning countries to stomp out all dissent. So it's an incredible act of bravery, I think a spontaneous one, and a very genuine one from the people of Cuba.
0: So... The government and the media has been quick to say that this protest has been coronavirus-related. What's going on with their coronavirus treatment?
2: It's really interesting that the Cuban healthcare system, of course, the much vaunted Cuban healthcare system, that the socialist medicine that they have there, is entirely breaking down. It's not just because of this crisis. I think one thing that's quite interesting is that not only are they unable to provide vaccines for their people, but they're unable to provide other very basic healthcare needs uh, for the people of Cuba. They are currently exporting doctors uh, around the globe, not because their system is so great, but because they're trying to make money uh, for the regime that is deeply buried in debt, while their own people can't get even basic treatment. I mean, they currently have a, a scabies outbreak that's very bad, very easily treatable, but because their healthcare system is, is frankly so broken, uh, they can't to give their people these kind of basic treatments. So it's not COVID that is breaking things down, it is a dysfunctional, uh, rotten system that is unable to handle even even the crisis that we've had over the last year with COVID uh, has simply brought these things to the surface, these things that have been going on for a very long time within the country.
0: And it's not just medicine and treatment that's scarce, but shopping is difficult in Cuba too, we know that. Can you try and explain to our listeners a little bit, what that's like.
2: Yeah, shopping in Cuba is not like in the United States. I mean, you basically are limited to what the government allows and puts into into stores. You have a limited, essentially, ration system there. Oftentimes, when you you go into a store, they're missing very basic items. I think it's it's funny Americans thought that you know we had this incredible a toilet paper shortage in the early days of. The pan, the COVID pandemic, mostly through panic buying, these shortages are very common in Cuba. Not just uh, during COVID, they had a a panic in 2014 where they couldn't get. Uh, toilet paper there one in 2009 basic food items and basic supplies simply disappear off the shelves and don't come back sometimes even for years and of course look many Americans have seen pictures of the Cuban automobiles that look like they're something from the 1950s these are people that deal with a significant amount of poverty and deprivation that most Americans frankly just can't understand
0: yeah, and in, in an op-ed that you linked to, in your op-ed, it was interesting. A woman talked about how they go shopping and they don't go and look for what they need. They simply take what's there. And that could be random house cleaning items or a can of tuna fish. You know, they just grab what's there.
2: They really do. Again, it's, it's such a, a different thing for how Americans, when we go to stores, it does remind me of the final days of the Soviet Union Uh, you know, when there would be guests from the Soviet Union come to the United States would marvel at our grocery stores for just regular people, for just the average person had access uh, to better things and a more higher variety of things than even the elite in those societies. And it shows the differences uh, between those systems. Something I think, again, many Americans take... For granted, these are things that we just uh, expect in the United States, and I think we should expect in a place like Cuba, these are rare things that don't exist and haven't existed for generations of people,
0: yeah, it makes me think right now I'm thinking about the the cheese aisle in Trader Joe's, which is just <laughs> a spectacle um, okay, so some of the Cubans are waving American flags, correct? Why is that
2: i think it's a I think it's an incredible thing, especially you know. We talk about American politics in the last year, the idea that the American flag is somehow maybe becoming a symbol of oppression, it's a a triggering thing for for many on the left, but how the American flag really is I think a universal symbol of liberty for people across the globe, and we saw this when the Hong Kong protests broke out against the Chinese regime. Uh, People there, very brave people waving the American flag, they knew what the flag stood for. It stood for for hope, it stood for liberty, a, a better future, these things that I think at one time Americans I think almost universally understood, I think there are people around the globe, many of whom have never tasted the liberty that Americans have, that the blessings, uh, the prosperity that we have under the Constitution, they, they have that hope for themselves. They believe in that in the way that many Americans don't. And I think it's, it's an interesting thing, especially in how it's positioned against totalitarian and authoritarian governments. And that's, that is what America stands for. We, we are a, a stumbling block and a rebuke to tyrants Around the globe. America still ultimately stands for those things. And I think it's very heartening that the people in Cuba who've really seen tyranny firsthand, a real genuine tyranny and totalitarian government, have a better understanding of that because they've seen what it's like to be on the other side of that, to be under something that, again, most Americans, certainly those who are born here, have never experienced, have never witnessed, or suffered in their own lives.
0: Yeah, you wrote something in your in your most recent op-ed that I want to highlight because I think it's so important. You wrote The American media and most elite institutions obsess over celebrity athletes' protests of the national anthem. They promote our country's racial awakening and reckoning with our past. And the mobs literally tear down our history if governments don't do it for them. America and the West's imperfections are used to sully, diminish, and obscure our triumphs. However, for the people suffering under truly repressive regimes, the American flag is the universal symbol of freedom. Wow.
2: Yeah, I mean it's 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 just simply the case. I think it's unfortunate that again many especially younger Americans don't understand this. They see the flaws that certainly exist in our country and, and, and still exists, not just in our past, but in the America of today, to see the as the whole system being wrong or broken or incompatible with genuine liberty. And that's just not the case at all. I mean, I think, uh, I think Americans now, especially today, see our imperfections and they think that makes us exceptionally bad. These are things that simply make us unexceptional in the way that all people are flawed. But the things that really stand out about America are ones that especially those who live under the greatest deprivation and the greatest tyranny understand full well. They they see that. And I think I think what America stands for uh, I think it's still embraced by the majority of Americans, but I think it's interesting to see people around the globe reject this kind of idea that we should be ashamed of the American flag and ashamed of the things that it stands for. It stands for very many good things, things that I think would make the world a better place, just not just on our shores, but for people across the globe.
0: Okay, so let's talk about some of those examples of people on the left who, who have been ashamed or who embraced the Cuban dictatorship. Can we talk a little bit about how Bernie Sanders has embraced Cuba?
2: You know, it really is quite incredible. I mean, this is a this is a guy, Senator Sanders, who actively promoted uh, the Cuban regime, especially in the 1980s, has become a little more sheepish lately, but still maintains that uh, the Castros did some good things for the country. They, they like to tout the literacy program, the vaunted literacy program that existed. I think it's very interesting given that Cuba had very high levels of literacy before the Castros took over, before communism took over the country. And again, what does literacy really count for when the government restricts the things that you can read, the things that you can think about the things that you can even discuss? Uh, literacy is simply a way for you to uh, spout communist slogans and embrace the party line i mean that's that's not a, a a beneficial system, one of prosperity and I do think it's very interesting as we see these protests erupt uh, people like Senator Sanders. Uh, saying very little about what's going on there, saying very little about this outpouring uh, of this desire of freedom for those people. I I think it's very telling for their worldview and the incredible blind spot they have to actual totalitarian dictatorship. Again, with all the criticisms that we hear of the United States, This is something that's happening today it's happening in 2021 it's something that these people suffer through right now uh it's i think it's sad that we don't hear more in criticism of what is effectively an evil regime uh that, that that stands just really just off of the shores of the united states the land of freedom
0: Yeah, it's unlikely that we'll see Colin Kaepernick come out and say anything about this. (laughs) Um, You write that for many on the left, it's simply a lack of education about the cruelties of the totalitarianism and communism. What can we do about that?
2: I think education is incredibly important. I think one thing that heartened me recently was uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. uh, They recently passed a piece of legislation there that would teach Uh, k-12 students elementary school students and high school students uh, about totalitarian and authoritarian regimes including communist ones they're creating a repository of information and personal stories from those who have suffered uh... under these regimes to teach younger people about the differences between their country and others i mean there are many uh... cuban americans who live in florida who have memory of escaping uh, what the Castro's brought to their once home country. I think these stories of their suffering is incredibly important. It allows people to have some comparison. You know, when you hear about things about the United States and our history, oftentimes people have absolutely nothing to compare it to whatsoever. They're left with this historical blind spot. Uh, But in the broader context of what, what happens around the world, I think the real benefits of the American system stand out. And so I think education and bringing that to younger people who, look, oftentimes don't even know, uh, they don't even know who the Castros are. They have no understanding of what communism or socialism is. They've heard some stories about how socialism is like Sweden or something. And I I think that's a really terrible misinformation. I think it's intentional in some quarters. Uh, But I think that information needs to be out there for younger people who, many of whom don't remember the cold war. They don't remember uh, what the real difference is between a a communist and a free system uh, like ours is. So that information really is key. And those personal stories from people who actually have experiences with it are also uh, highly invaluable uh, to our present and our future.
0: Jerry, in conclusion, do you think Cuba can change?
2: I very much think Cuba can change. I, I I wouldn't hazard to guess of whether or not these protests will lead uh, to the fall of communism there, but I do believe a system that is based on, I'll be very honest, uh, frankly evil, uh, as the communist one is there in Cuba, will eventually fall, it will eventually fade and crumble. And I think there are people there in Cuba who have seen enough uh, of this kind of tyranny and here wish for something different. And I absolutely believe, I mean, look at how successful many Cuban Americans are here in the United States. There's no reason they can't replicate many of those things in their own home country uh, I think there's there's a reason to hope uh, for Cuba's future. Whether it happens today, tomorrow, or it happens 50 years from now, hopefully freedom will come sooner rather than later. But I do have, I am very hopeful for their future success.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with us about this unprecedented protest.
2: You're quite welcome. Thank you.
0: And that's it for this week's episode. I'd love to hear what you think about Heritage Explains. What are we doing right? What do you want to hear more of? What do you want to hear less about? Shoot me an email at michelle.cordero@heritage.org and let us know what you're thinking. Tim is up next week. We'll see you then.
1: Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation, it is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Descher with editing by John Pop